Welcome to the podcast of Scott Street MB Church. We hope you find this message inspiring and encouraging in your walk as a disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a joy to be with you again this morning. Summer is almost here. Some of you have plans for the summer, I know. Um, Sarah and I like to take a little journey. We live in Port Weller and we go out to the Far Lighthouse. And it's a three and a 0.2 kilometer journey out and 3.2 back. So just over six kilometers of walking. And when I've done that, I feel like I've really done something. I've had a good walk. How many of you are going to Toronto this summer? Do you, are you going to, how many of you are going to Toronto on Monday night to see the Raptors? Oh, I wish I had those tickets. That would be fun. Eaton Center is about 112 kilometers from here. So at a normal walking pace, it would take them around 23 hours to walk to Toronto. How many of you are going up to Camp Crossroads this summer? Are we going? We have some Camp Crossroads. People are beautiful. Camp up north. So lovely. Um, Camp Crossroads is 289 kilometers from here. If you start walking now, you'll be there in about a week. Take would take six days, walking ten hours a day, for six days you'd get up to Camp Crossroads. Um, how many, any of you going to the East Coast? Sarah and I are flying to Halifax on Tuesday. Any of you going to the East Coast this summer? Not a popular destination with our congregation. I'm, I'm sorry, all of you watching from the East Coast, we love you, we're just not going there. Uh, if you were going to Moncton, New Brunswick, it's about 1,500 kilometers from here. Beautiful little town. Uh, 15, uh, not a town, a city. 1,500 kilometers. If you were to go there, it would take you a very long time to walk there. It would take you weeks and months to walk to New Brunswick. Well, the story we're looking at today is a story of a journey led by Ezra. Ezra is an interesting character. Last week we looked at another E character, Enoch. Enoch, the man who walked with God, uh, not the way that uh, Ezra walked. Enoch was a man whose name meant dedicated and special. Today we look at another wonderful character. His name is Ezra. Ezra means help. Help. So if you have a child and you need help, name them Ezra. That's Hebrew for help. Ezra took a group of people on a 1,500-kilometer walk. They walked. 3,000 people took a walk for 1,500 kilometers. took them four months of walking. So if they started walking today, they would reach... Um, they started from Babylon, went to Jerusalem. If they started today, they would get there in October. So imagine walking all summer long to get to Jerusalem. Now, this isn't the first time they took this journey. This is the second time. Seventy years later, they all were banished from Jerusalem to Babylon. So this journey is in their, their DNA. They knew about this, this journey they took 70 years earlier. They know the walk. Now they're walking back. He wrote this book, and then the book is named after him. So if you go to the Old Testament, you'll see the book of Ezra. But the first time we hear about him is chapter 7. Between chapters 1 and 7, there's a 60-year period, and King Cyrus had made a decree that uh, they should rebuild the temple. You may think of Ezra and Nehemiah together. 
uh, Nehemiah built the walls, built the temple, Ezra brought the people. So just to, to give you a bit of a context there. Um, the temple was now built, but the people were in need of a prophet to lead them. So in chapter 7, King Artex, Art, Artaxerxes, <laughs> I knew I was going to, you did so much better than me, Catherine. King Artaxerxes, the new king of Prussia, issued a decree. Persia. What did I say? Prussia. That's my wife, the Reverend Dr. Sarah Patterson, correcting my uh, church history. Thank you, my love. This time, the Jewish priest named Ezra. So, he was called, he was given, the king gave him permission to return from Babylon to Jerusalem. And he said, bring this group back again from Babylon to Jerusalem. Now, the issue was not to build the temple, but their goal was to walk, to settle and to worship. So they had three things to do. They had to walk there, then they had to settle there, then they had to worship God there. And Ezra was the perfect candidate in Ezra chapter 7, verse 6. Ezra was a scribe who was well-versed in the laws of Moses, which the Lord, the God of Israel, had given to the people of Israel. He came up to Jerusalem from Babylon. So up to Jerusalem from Babylon, and the king gave him everything he asked for, because the gracious hand of the Lord his God was on him. Imagine, the king gave him everything he asked for. The phrase, the gracious hand of the Lord was on him, is found three times in chapter 7. Don't you wish that, that would be said of you? The gracious hand of the Lord was upon her. The gracious hand of the Lord was upon him. Well, it is. It is. God's hand is on us. Have you ever known somewhere where, who you think the gracious hand of the Lord was upon them? What a blessed life. Do you know people like that? Well, that's, that's Ezra, and that is us too. Ezra received God's grace and God's favor. He also received the king's favor. So the favor of God is the only explanation that this obscure Jewish exile, Ezra, was able to lead an amazing group of people on an amazing journey. So during the terrible 70 years in exile in Babylon, the, the Jewish people were lost. 70 years. They were lost and hopeless. Um, they had no reason to hope that they, they, that they would ever return home. But if they read the scripture, God had promised that after 70 years, they would return. After 70 years, they would return. There they were in Babylon, in the desert, in the Chaco. You know what I'm talking about. Exiles, they were there for 70 years. But God promised after 70 years, you will return home. And that's exactly what happened. The gracious hand of the Lord was on Ezra. And he led 3,000 people back across the exact road from Babylon back to Jerusalem. It's an amazing story. And Ezra led an amazing life. Ezra's journey reminds me of the journey that many of you took from Russia from the Ukraine, walking through China, many of you, catching a boat to a place you'd never even heard of called Paraguay, getting on that boat and going across the seas to this place. And when you got there, you, you looked at this dry land, and this was to be the promised land, but it wasn't much of a promise to many. I've been reading my books. Some people called it Green Hell. 
So you know the journey. You know many of you, yourselves, many of you, your grandparents and grandparents were on that journey. In so many ways, this reminds me of Ezra's journey. Their destination was Jerusalem. Your destination brought you to the Garden City, St. Catharines. And we are thankful for where God has brought us. Amen? I, I don't know of a much more beautiful city to live in than St. Catharines. I am grateful that God has brought us all here to serve together, to live together, and to be light for Christ in this town. God puts his hand on all kinds of people. It's only when the gracious hand of God is upon us that we're able to live successfully and have meaningful lives. In fact, if the gracious hand of God is not upon you, nothing of value can come from your life. We pray God's hand upon us. Ezra 9, 7, 9 to 10 says, He had begun his journey from Babylon on the first day of the first month. He arrived in Jerusalem on the first day of the fifth month, four months later. For the gracious hand of God was on him. For Ezra had devoted himself to the study and observance of the law of the Lord and to teaching its decrees and laws in Israel. So Israel, Ezra gathered people around him and arranged to leave Babylon on April 8th, 7 BC. So 2,026 years ago, on April 8th, they left. They arrived in Jerusalem four months later on August 4th, 7 BC. For the gracious hand of God was on them. He and his Jewish family and friends walked for four months. And if I make it to the lighthouse and back, I'm lucky. Four months of walking. Ezra was determined to study and obey the law of God and to teach the word of God to the people of Israel. It's interesting how about obeying the word of God is connected to a successful journey. Where did Ezra get the strength for this long 1,500-kilometer walk? Strength for the journey, according to Scripture, comes from those who study and obey the Word of God. You want strength? You can go to the gym. But before you go to the gym, open the Word of God. Those who study and obey God's Word have strength for the day. Studying God's Word is so important. Ezra grew up in the city of Babylon, where he had an opportunity to study. He studied science and medicine, mathematics, astrology, magic, history, myths, and legends. He was a wise man. And out of all the books that he read, he focused on the Old Testament scrolls, which had been brought that 70 years earlier, even a bit earlier than that. Um, he, sent, he put his heart on studying the Word of God, asking God, what do you want of me? And we have a similar choice today. All kinds of things are available to us, we can binge watch as many shows as we want on Netflix. There's so many things that are distracting us. Have you set your heart on the word of God? It's quite simple. Do you want strength? Read the word of God. Set our hearts on the word of God. Are you letting it speak to you? Are you letting it give you strength for your journey? Carmen and Austin are on a journey back to Waterloo. And uh, we're grateful that uh, uh, they're going to be closer. And we pray for strength for the journey. Many moves in, in this season of life. So strength upon you.
So read your scriptures while you're on your journey. And we pray that God will give you everything you need for this next chapter of life. Yeah. I can remember when I was memorizing scripture as an 18-year-old. I came to faith when I was 14. And by 18, I was this young, young leader. And I wanted to be a pastor by then. And, and, um, and so I memorized scripture. And that scripture is still in here. You know, if you were a parent... Don't miss the opportunity to teach your children the Word of God now. It's so important that these little ones hear the Word of God, that it's in the house, that it's in your Word, that it's in your life. Because their little brains, while they're developing, the Word of God is strong and it changes them for the rest of their lives. It's worth the effort to bring the children to church, please. And every, every month now we have an intergenerational service where we want the children to hear the whole service. And if they make noise, we want to hear their noise because it's important that they hear the word of God with us. Amen? We love our children, and they're welcome here. Their little brains as they develop, God's word is, is, is built into them. Children's, we're so thankful for for Children's Church, for Kids Club, for Junior and Senior Youth, for Camp Crossroads. Every place where people go, the children go to be trained in the Word of God. When they learn it as children, they will remember as adults. And speaking of that, I am just so grateful for everyone here, our dedicated teachers those who help at Scott Street in the teaching ministry, Sunday school and kids club and junior and senior youth and family life hour. We are so grateful for our teachers. Amen. Amen. Thank you to our teachers who bless us and take care of our children and teach. Um, We love our teachers. We love our nurses and our teachers around here. They're everywhere. I've read, read and studied the Word of God my whole life until now. But the truth is that I've barely scratched the surface. I have so much to learn. If you set your heart on studying God's Word, you find a never-ending supply of insight and truth. Because it's as if I need different things at different times. And now that I am an old man, I need God's Word differently than I did as a young man. And he never, man, I just love, I love researching and writing these sermons, learning about Ezra and Enoch, and they speak to me, they teach me. And what made Ezra a great leader? Studying the Word of God. When Ezra led God's people back to Jerusalem, the temple had been rebuilt. Ezra came to reestablish the temple and temple worship, but there was a problem, a problem that could ruin everything. He had brought all of these people back home. They had rebuilt the temple, but they were not obeying the the word of God. They had fallen away from the culture into the culture that they were in. Falling away from their, their love of God and his word, falling into the culture that surrounded them. Ezra brought the people back to Jerusalem, but when they got home, they didn't obey the word of God. They were disobedient. So Ezra 9.1 says, The people of Israel, including the priests and the Levites, so everyone, including the priests and the Levites, their leaders, have not kept themselves separate from the neighboring people, where there are detestable practices. Oh, here we go. Like those of the Canaanites and Hittites and Perizzites, Jebusites, Ammonites, Moabites, Egyptians, and the Amorites. That's a lot of ites. That's a, 
Catherine did a much, much, much better job. Um, basically, he's saying all of the Jews have fallen away and fallen into the practice of the people around them. Everyone has lost sight, has lost focus. And what has caused them to, lost, to lose focus? The culture and world around them. Dear family, are we the same? Is our focus on God pure and straight and strong, or are we distracted by the culture around us? Ezra chapter 9, verse 3, describes how Ezra reacted. He says, when I heard this, when he heard about how the people had fallen, I tore my tunic and my cloak, I pulled hair from my head and my beard, and I sat down appalled. Ezra was angry, shocked, appalled. Appalled, the English word, is defined as being horrified. When I saw what was going on, I couldn't believe my eyes. He was upset and he was distraught. What did Ezra hear about that made him so upset? Well, the report was that the Jewish people, including the leaders and the officials, were engaging in pagan practices of the people around them. And many of these practices were sexual in nature. You may remember that this was the same during the time of Solomon that led to the downfall of Israel in the first place. Once again, God's people were trying to fit in with the culture around them. And that impacts the church. So here's how Ezra responded to their sin. He says, I am too ashamed, too disgraced to lift up my face to you, oh my God, because our sins are higher than our heads and our guilt has reached to the heaven." Sins over my head, guilt up to the skies. He was buried, buried by his guilt and sin. The whole culture was buried. Now, what happens next is amazing. Ezra calls all the people together, and he confesses to the people. And a long confession. While he was talking, it started raining. We're so lucky we have this beautiful church. Because over the last few months, if we'd worshipped outside, we would be a very wet people. Well, in this time, during this time when Ezra, there, were, there was no place to hide from the heavens. They were outside. Ezra started talking to the people. The whole assembly, after he confessed to the whole people, they replied, You were right. We must do as you say. But there are many people here. This is Ezra chapter 10. There are many people here, and it's the rainy season, so we cannot stand outside. Besides, this matter cannot be taken care of in a day or two because we have sinned greatly in this thing. They were sorry for their sin, but they were getting soaked. They were getting wet. And besides, their sin was so great, the, the sin was so ugly, it was such a tangled mess that it was going to take more than a few days to clean this up. Have you ever made a mistake that's taken you days to clean up? Weeks to clean up? Months to clean up? You made, a, you made a terrible error. You made a terrible sin. And to try to clean things up, to untangle the mess, takes a long time. Their sin was real. It was deep. Even though they repented, 
They still had to clean things up and get things right between themselves and others and themselves and God. And that seems to be the way sin is. God forgives, but the consequences remain. Especially when the sin involves family, relationships, other people, and primarily morality. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, Flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits outside their body. Whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. And this was what was going on. Do you want to have an abundant life with Jesus? Do you want to pass on this heritage to your children? Purity is key. has a huge effect on your relationship with God. And purity in your life blesses the people you love and those around you. Purity. You don't hear a whole lot about purity. But God calls us to a life of purity. Ephesians 5.3 says, Among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's people. We are a people of purity. God help us to be a people of purity. How can the church have any kind of witness to the faithful, pure God if we too are not faithful, pure people? How can we make a difference in our culture, in our non-believing culture, unless we stand out and we stand up for Christ? Satan's greatest desire is that we be normal. Just fit in. Just fit into Canadian culture. Just fit into, just be normal. I I believe God is calling us to something much higher than normal. To be extraordinary people, not normal. We are to be a people of obedience and love. And he will give us the ability to obey. Love and joy, that's us. Peace. And patience, that's us. Kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, that's us. We're not normal. We can't fit in. We should be like a light on a hill. And people will see us and say, what is it about them? And we say, it's not me. It's Christ in me. Amen? It's Christ in me. And we need him in us. We need his word in us for the journey of life and love and faith and family. The question for Christians, whether they live in the first century or the 21st century, is the same. Will you conform to the patterns of this world? Or will you be transformed by Jesus into the image of our living God? Imagine how much trouble and pain could be avoided if we held the biblical standards in all we do and say for our life, for our family, for our own purity. We are no different from the ancient Israelis in this respect. Like the people of Ezra's days, we have no choice. We can rationalize and try to say that somehow God's law doesn't apply now. The world is different. We don't have to be pure or we don't have to follow God because, you know, it's, it's 2019. Or we can decide to change our ways and be obedient to our loving Lord Jesus. To a life of joy and purity. 
Ezra successfully led 3,000 people on that four-month journey from Babylon to Jerusalem. And we are on a journey as well. We need strength for our journey of life, our journey of service, our journey of care for one another, our journey of being a light in St. Catharines. A light in Ontario, a light for the world to see. And you know we have everything we need. We have the gracious hand of God upon us. We have the wisdom of God's word in our heart. And we have the strength to obey God's laws in our daily lives. Through his spirit, through one another. Obedience is not a side issue for us. We are so grateful that God's word teaches us. That God's spirit guides us. And that God's people, we are here to support one another in this journey of life and love and faith. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your presence in our lives and in our journey. We want to live as your people on our journey. We want to be a people who are strong and pure and kind. Father, embed your word, teach your word to our children. Teach your word in a fresh way to all of us. Hide it in our hearts that we may not sin against you. Thank you for making your will clear to us in your word. Now help us to develop the discipline of reading, studying, believing, and following your word in our lives. We love you and we love one another. Help us to support one another in this journey of faith. Help us to be obedient and may we set a standard for our family and for our community and our world as a people of love, purity, and character. Father, your hand is on us, and we are grateful for your spirit within us. Help us as we seek to live for you each day. Father, bless our journey. We ask in Christ's name. Amen.